Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. This is where we live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalbethanchel. She is a lifelong Bridgeport resident, and now she wants to lead the Park City. State Senator Marilyn Moore is my guest today. She launched her mayoral campaign in January in a heavily Democratic city where incumbent Mayor Joe Gannam staged a comeback just four years ago. He's the Democratic Town Committee's endorsed candidate, but Moore has collected enough signatures to be on the ballot September 10th, primary day. Today where we live, we learn more about Moore's campaign and what ho- she hopes to change if elected Bridgeport's mayor. Now, do you live in Bridgeport? Do you have a question for Senator Moore? You can join us, 860-275-7266, or find us on Facebook and Twitter, at Where We Live. Um, Senator Moore is joining us today from the studios of WSHU in Fairfield, Connecticut. Senator Moore, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Uh, Your Facebook campaign page uh, describes you again as a lifelong uh, Bridgeport resident, also a community activist. So, you know, what what, uh, attracted you to politics, Senator Moore? Well, I think um, it's just in my genes to be able to help other people. And I think being in politics is the greatest opportunity to make changes in your community. I got involved in the early 80s working on a mural campaign for Charles Tisdale, who was my seventh and eighth grade teacher. And um, from there, it just seems like I was always running somebody's campaign or being a treasurer. I really didn't think about running for office and uh, at any time until Senator Gomes was elected um, in a special election and went to Hartford and needed someone to go along with him. And I went at his as his legislative aide. And uh, once I got there, I realized there's so many opportunities to do so much more at that level that I ran for state senate and was successful at it. Mm. So you've been uh, serving uh, the 22nd districts, that's parts of Bridgeport, uh, the towns of Monroe and Trumbull now uh, since 2015. Uh, Do you think that you would make more of an impact being uh, a senator in the Connecticut General Assembly versus mayor of Bridgeport? You know, Lucy, I hear this all the time. I've actually met a one of my constituents from Trumbull who said she didn't want to lose me. And I said to her, you know, I I believe you feel that way because I've done a great job as a senator. But as a lifelong Bridgeport resident, I'd like to take everything that I've learned and be able to do it for my hometown of Bridgeport. And for me, it's not about personal power. It's about where you can have the greatest impact. And I believe at this time, Bridgeport needs me. And the the knowledge that I have and my experience both running a nonprofit, being a mom, living in Bridgeport, watching all the changes and lack of changes. I'm very sensitive to what happens in Bridgeport. And I I just believe that this is a time where I could have the greatest impact to help people in Bridgeport. Tell us more about your your love, your loyalty for Bridgeport. Uh, as you know, there are so many different communities in our state. Uh, you know, Bridgeport doesn't always have the best image, and depending on uh, who you're talking to, uh, people don't know a lot about uh, the city of Bridgeport. You know, what describe your city and why you decided to stay? You know, when I think about what I grew up with, and I, the whole world has changed. It's not the same as when I grew up, but. I remember community, and I remember regarding, regardless of your ethnicity, 
uh, or your income that we were community. Uh, I remember eating at my little friend uh, Rachel Grosso's house uh, and having pasta. And uh, then my Irish neighbor, Nancy O'Nor, going over there having a stew. And that's what this community is about. And Bridgeport is so diverse, but I don't think we've done a great job of celebrating the diversity of the city. Instead, instead, we've used it as an opportunity to divide people into certain groups, into certain parts of town. That's the, that's the Bridgeport that I remember. I also remember a very safe Bridgeport. So I grew up on Washington Avenue. Um, it's called The Hollow. And I could walk from the hollow to the east side of Bridgeport at 11 o'clock at night by myself and not have to worry about anybody bothering me when I was a teenager or that it was a safe journey to go across that bridge to the other side of town. Right now, I don't think anybody thinks it's safe for a female to walk or a male to walk from one part of town to another at night. That is what we are missing, this safe place that people feel comfortable that they can let their children go outside and play or that somebody can walk from one place to another and not being bothered or be hurt or something happened to them. I just remember a very different place. But I also remember small businesses, you know, supporting. uh, We had a a mom-and-pop grocery stores and the hardware store. And I know things have changed, but I think small businesses are what we're missing and supporting them in in Bridgeport area. Uh, You're hearing State Senator Marilyn Moore here on Where We Live. Uh, She represents parts of Bridgeport, Monroe, and Trumbull. She's running for the mayor of Bridgeport. Uh, Joe Gannon, the incumbent, is the Democratic Town Committee's uh, endorsed candidate, but State Senator Marilyn Moore has collected enough signatures to be on the ballot September 10th. If you have a question for Senator Moore, you can join us, 860-275-7266, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, Senator Moore, you said that uh, there are parts of the city that are working to divide uh, the community. I'm wondering if you could uh, talk more about that. Who are we talking about? This is a heavily Democratic city. Uh, So who's responsible for the decline in the city of Bridgeport? So I look to the leadership. And, you know, as a state senator, for me to be able to get anything done, I have to work across the aisle. So I remove the D and the R when I talk about my hometown. In Trumbull, a city that's heavily Republican, I'm the only Democrat representing them in the legislature. I have to learn how to and and uh, have conversations with the other legislators who are Republicans on how we get things done. Um, and I do that all the time. And I work with the first selectman who is a, a Democrat. I think when it comes to local politics, that we've divided people into certain groups. And, and really, a lot of it is on racial et, uh racial lines, is that we do something, we'll either take care of the Latinos, right, or we'll take care of the blacks, but never bringing them together to do something collectively. And if you're not an insider, uh, if you don't know somebody or you're not connected to somebody, you're considered an outsider. Now, I know everybody, but I'm still an outsider because I treat everybody, I try to treat everybody who comes to me equally. If you have a problem and it's within my jurisdiction or my authority, you don't have to know somebody. You don't have, I don't have to like you. you. You don't owe me a favor because I helped you. It is my responsibility as a legislator to take care of all of my constituents. 
And so uh, give us some examples. You mentioned uh, you are an outsider. And so in your time, even in the General Assembly, uh, you talk about, you know, the importance of a bipartisanship. But, uh, you know, what have you done in your role as state senator to help the community specifically in Bridgeport that you would still be representing if elected mayor? So uh, there had been several problems with people losing their property for the WPCA, the Water Pollution Control Authority was placing liens on people's property and then selling them. And it was, wasn't for a large amount of money. I had an incident where a woman had a house that was paid for and she had a bill under $10,000, but by the time she got to court, she had lost her house. So this is at a time when everyone was focusing on, in the last session, uh, about the casino and not focusing on much other than trying to get the casino for Bridgeport. I passed a bill uh, with the help of one of my House members to stop, to put a moratorium on foreclosures for WPCA bills. I did that by working diligently with someone in the House and working with other commissioners to say, why are we foreclosing on properties for a water pollution control? Now, that's not a water bill. That's not an electric bill. It starts out as something as small as maybe 125, depending on how large your property is. And then they put a lien on it, and then there's other liens on it, and then there's attorney fees. It gets to a point where they foreclose. So I went to the commissioner uh, for uh, the WPCA and decided, what is it that I could do to, to halt this for a while until we can investigate what's going on? And that moratorium we put on for two years and now the uh, uh, the uh, WPCA is looking at their methods that they use. That has great impact on seniors, on low-income people. People are struggling. Our tax bases, our taxes are very high in Bridgeport. Uh, and when you look at your mortgage, your taxes, and then you have this other WPCA bill, it can break somebody. And if you're going to lose your house, it, I don't think it should be because you couldn't pay the bill that takes the water out of your house, not the usage of the bill. And I think that was the greatest impact I have had on some low-income families in Bridgeport. You mentioned taxes are very high. You also mentioned others uh, supporting a casino in Bridgeport, uh, incumbent Mayor Joe Gannon being one of them. What are your ideas to bring more economic development to Bridgeport that could help alleviate uh, the tax struggles of, of the city residents? So, you know, I do a lot of food work, sustainability, access to food, and I've been doing that because I've been involved in breast cancer for 20 years. And I looked at, you know, if we can get women screened, if we can get them services, but if they're diagnosed at a late stage and they're not healthy, their outcomes are going to be worse. So I looked at access to food. What is the problem with people getting healthy food in their their towns? And I've done a couple of different programs, evidence-based programs, uh, in Bridgeport Corner Store Initiative, trying to get food to the front of the small bodegas and then bringing in local produce into some of the other stores to make sure it's available. There is an opportunity to do a food hub in Bridgeport that could create jobs, that could uh, teach people skills, and also give them access to food. And that is what has been my desire for almost four years to try to uh, develop a food hub in in Bridgeport. One of the other issues I think is really important is small businesses. They sustain the community. They create jobs. 
Uh, I'm hearing from from different people who have tried to start a business that it's very difficult to do business in Bridgeport. And uh, I believe that it's because when you you walk into City Hall for a permit, you know, if you don't know somebody, you go through this whole turmoil of where do I go for this? And someone comes back to you and tells you, all right, you now you need to do this instead of giving them all the information up front that they need. So there's a there's a pathway and everybody is following the same path to get to where they want to be successful. But also we're on the waterfront and I don't think we've taken advantage of the waterfront. We're 50 miles from New York. We're close to the 50 miles from uh, the airport. There's so many things that could be landing in Bridgeport. But uh, many of these businesses aren't coming here because of our safety issue, right? Mm -hmm. So before you can start talking about how am I going to build up Bridgeport, you've got to make Bridgeport a place where people want to come and people want to be. And that's not what I'm hearing from businesses. That's not what I'm hearing from local communities right now. It is not a safe place. We've got to do better with the gun violence that's taking place in Bridgeport. We've got to do better with our policing and our methods and how we police so people will believe it is a place that you can come and be safe. And then they will bring their businesses into Bridgeport. It's not having just large businesses coming in. It's about making Bridgeport a safe place where everybody is respected and everyone is welcome and people can live without fear. State Senator Marilyn Moore is my guest today. She's running uh, for uh, Bridgeport mayor. The primary is next month, September 10th. She collected enough signatures to be on the Democratic ballot. If you have a question for Senator Moore, join us, 860-275-7266, or find us on Facebook and Twitter, uh, at Where We Live. Uh, is when you talk about you know attracting uh, people and the fact that they can feel safe in your community, you know the quality of schools also plays a part. And uh, often the headlines are there's lots of dysfunction in the Bridgeport School District. If you're elected mayor, how would you confront some of those challenges as also making sure students have the right resources in the public schools? So right now I have three good candidates, young teachers and parents running for the Board of Ed. Um, I just want to say that the Board of Ed has been uh, in turmoil for as long as I can remember. And I never really understand the root cause of it. But I do know as a leader in the city, as the mayor, to work with them, to figure out where's the common ground that I could work with you, what it is that you really need beyond money and support so we can get some things done. You know, I look at, we gave $2.5 million for a tiger at the Bearsley Zoo. And that, you know, I'm all for the Bearsley Zoo and I love animals and I think that's wonderful. But when we have a $6.5 million shortfall in our education budget and we shift $2.5 million. We make that into a big deal. Even from a, uh, an optic, for people looking at us, they wonder what is wrong with us, that we would invest that kind of money into an animal and not care about our children and their education, that that money could not be shifted. Now, I do want to say I don't know where that $2.5 million is coming from, but I do know it was publicized that it was a gift from the city of Bridgeport. The gift should have gone to support our education system. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about the budget for the Board of Education is, all right, if you keep shortchanging them on the city level, not on a state level, if what they get in the way of matching from the city of Bridgeport con continues to diminish, there's something wrong with that. What I think we need to do is look at our overall budget and identify where are the gaps that we could shift some of the dollars from other things into our education system so that fight goes away about the money. 
but I never really believe that money is always the answer. I think how you use the money, how you distribute the dollars is very important. And so I would work very closely with the Board of Education and whoever the president is and the members to sit down and have not just a conversation when they have their board meeting, but have conversations in between and find out what can I really do to support you. I talk to teachers all the time. And, you know, and I know Trumbull has a great school system. Many of the teachers in Trumbull, I live in Trumbull, but come to Bridgeport, and they don't understand why Bridgeport can't have what the kids in Trumbull have. I want all of our kids to have a great education. I just believe that we don't do a good job of sitting down trying to figure out how do we do it and what's the best way to do it. You can join our conversation on Where We Live, 860-275-7266, as we talk to one of the mayoral candidates in the city of Bridgeport, State Senator Marilyn Moore. Jim's calling from Bridgeport. Jim, go ahead. Hi, uh, Marilyn. Um and uh, Lucy, I'm, my name is Jim. I'm from Bridgeport, a small business owner and uh, a supporter of Maryland. But I have concerns about what, how Maryland will confront the uh, ingrained Democratic town council in Bridgeport, which just seems to um, have an overarching control of anything that happens within the city with no transparency. And it, for some unexplained reason, uh, progress is so slow in coming to Bridgeport. And it's frustrating as a business owner, as a resident, that we can't take advantage of these wonderful attributes uh, of our city. Um, Well, Jim, thank you for that question. It is a great question because, uh, Senator Moore, you have labeled yourself an independent Democrat. You're an outsider, not part of that uh, Democratic machine, as Jim talks about. So how can you, I guess, really appeal uh, to the voters who at one time uh, maybe were supporters of former mayor Bill Finch, and then Joe Gannam came back, uh, staged a great comeback, and now they're supporting him? Well, uh, let me go to Jim's question first, because the, the city council serves the people. But many times right now that the city council is taking their direction from the mayor. If you have a mayor and a city council who are working together for the people, you wouldn't have that dysfunction. I mean, it's really about working collaboratively and it's really about good administration and it's really about being involved on a day-to-day basis with the common council because they're just doing what the mayor has asked them to do in many cases. And when the pushback comes, it comes because there's some of them, not all of them, but there are some of them who are really fighting for the people and trying to do the right thing. And they're not getting the support from the other members because the other members are taking the lead from the mayor. I think there is an opportunity for us to do the right thing. I always want to be transparent. I always want to be working toward collaboration. And I want people to know that I don't do behind the scenes deals. I make no promises to anybody, uh, even during this campaign. I'm not promising anything to anybody except for the voters to say, I will come in and I will do the very best that I can. And I will open the doors to all of the members of our community. And I will work for all of the members of our community. And it won't just be the ones that are connected. And I think that's the big problem is that we have these people who have access to get whatever they want, whenever they want, and they cut deals. I don't have any deals to be cut. I want everybody to be able to see what we're doing. And that's why I want to have an open and transparent government that works for everyone. 
This is where we live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. State Senator Marilyn Moore is my guest today. She's a Democrat representing parts of Bridgeport, also the towns of Monroe and Trumbull. And she's running in Bridgeport's mayoral race after collecting enough signatures to be on the September 10th primary ballot. Now, are you a Bridgeport resident? What questions do you have for her? You can join us, 860-275-7266, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is where we live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Don't forget, primary day is coming up September 10th. We've been talking to some mayoral candidates from Connecticut's largest cities. Today, we're focusing on Bridgeport. My guest is State Senator Marilyn Moore, who collected enough signatures to be on the Democratic mayoral ballot against incumbent Mayor Joe Gannam. Do you have a question for Senator Moore? Join us, 860-275-7266, or find us on Facebook and Twitter, at Where We Live. Uh, Senator Moore, we heard uh, earlier uh, your pledge uh, to not be holding to special interests. Also, you're not going to have deals, backroom deals, and promise people, residents, uh, things uh, for their support. You've also promised to bring more transparency to city politics. You know, why is that necessary? What do you see happening in your city? Well, you know, I think about the number of projects that have uh, been advertised, charrettes, uh, with no details behind them. I want to be able to have a project, have people committed, have other people in the room having that conversation to know those projects are going to go forward. And if there, there are, if there are barriers to that project, I want them to be up front. I don't want to go around showing we're going to build an amphitheater, we're going to have a theater downtown, and we're going to have a hotel, and none of those things come to fruition. I look at the waterfront, and that's really a beautiful maritime spot, uh, and it's a nice restaurant, but what does that really do for the residents of Bridgeport? What jobs have been created that really sustain people that they can have a living wage? There's a few jobs over there. I want people to be able to participate in this process. I want my city council people to be in an open, transparent discussion about opportunities to bring development into Bridgeport. That is what we, we don't have. It's, it's a deal here. It's a, it's a deal there with nothing ever being, uh, coming to fruition for us in the city. We just, we have vision. We have a problem with implementing a vision or it being real and concrete with real ideas. Do you feel like uh, corruption is an issue within City Hall? So the FBI will be telling us pretty soon because they're investigating the city of Bridgeport and some of the deals that have happened, including some lights out in uh, Black Rock that disappeared and some metal uh, at, at the that they turned in, that the money wasn't uh, turned into the city of Bridgeport. And, you know, the mayor had said that, you you know, he's he fired some people. He let some people go uh, because of their actions. But when you're not here to watch the city and you're not doing your job, this is what happens. You have to be present. You can't be running for governor and be out of the city most of the time that these things are taking place. But the other thing is that some of the people that have been involved in some of these questionable practices are not even qualified to do the job. 
And that's the mismanagement that takes place over and over in our city. When you are running for, for mayor and people come up to you and say, well, I'll give you X amount of dollars or I can connect you to this one and they'll give you X amount of dollars and exchange, I want X, Y, and Z. Well, that X, Y, and Z could be people who are not uh, the proper person to do the job, who do not have the experience or the expertise to do the job. And when you have so many people like that in city government, the government starts to fall apart. So I even for hiring people to come in, you know, for, for some of the positions that will become available with a new administration, I want to make sure that we have an application process, that we hire the best and the brightest to come into Bridgeport. And I'm hoping that a large percentage of those people will be from Bridgeport. But we need people with new ideas. We need people who have been to school and have learned new practices for urban planning, who know about green jobs. We don't have that right now. But transparency will come when everybody has an opportunity to apply for those jobs, and we hire the best people for the jobs to move the city forward. You can't move a city into the, the next stage if you're constantly working with the past, not believing or seeing what can happen in the future. Mm-hmm. You need new ideas and you need, need new people to come with those ideas to work with you. Now, I can, I'm not an architect. I'm not an urban planner. But I am someone who has a vision. And I am someone who can implement the vision and follow through and evaluate what we're doing and say, okay, this is working. This is not and move forward or say we need to we need to shift but i don't believe in wasting the community's time in promoting things that never happen We've had a lot of missed opportunities. So, Senator Moore, you're referencing uh, the FBI investigating the city for possible misappropriation of cash from the sale of scrap metal by the city's public facilities department. Uh, Some city employees have been disciplined, according to the Connecticut Post, including uh, the deputy public facilities director, Joe Tiago, being fired, uh, and another public facilities director, John Ricci, uh, getting docked a month's pay. Um, Is that enough to bring back trust for residents into to City Hall? Is this an issue that will matter to most of the people that you're trying to court for a vote? Well, docking someone's pay for me is not enough. So for 20 years, nearly 20 years, I worked for the telephone company. And uh, the standards are very high in the telephone company. And I carry those standards with me. That's my DNA. If you're not doing your job, Docking your pay is not enough, especially if you're in management. There's no way that I could stay as a, a manager of a, of a department by taking away a couple of weeks' pay because it doesn't go away. It continues to happen. You just didn't get caught doing it. So that's not enough for me to dock someone's pay. I think those people should be moved out of those positions, and someone with, with authority or uh, who knows how to administer or who's available that should be the person who's in those positions. Because what we tend to do, and we've done this with the police chief, he's not doing his job. Nice guy. He's not doing his job. But we bring someone in to look over, to go over what he's doing and keep an eye on that. That's not how it works. If you're paid to do a job, do your job. If you can't do the job, move out of that job and go do something else. But don't double dip that I have to pay you 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 leave and then you sue me because uh, you know I did I I got rid of you because you weren't doing your job and I have to do a payoff that costs us money but to have two people in place doing one job what sense does that make? 
You can join our conversation with State Senator Marilyn Moore running in Bridgeport's mayoral race. Her name on the Democratic ballot for the September 10th uh, primary, the number 860-275-7266, or find us on Facebook and Twitter uh, at Where We Live. Uh, You know, earlier we talked about uh, some of the issues you're hearing from residents, uh, making sure that the city is safe. Uh, You uh, talked about uh, gun violence. You know, how much culpability does the Connecticut General Assembly have in uh, the place and the issues that the city of Bridgeport face. You know, we hear so often uh, from suburban towns, they see uh, the state legislature throwing money at cities like Bridgeport, but the issues never get solved. And so I'm curious, uh, being a legislator now for four years, you know, how much of that blame stands uh, in front of the Connecticut General Assembly? I want to say that I am very proud of the work that Governor Malloy has done in the past on gun uh, safety, but also this last uh, session, the work that has been done by the Judiciary Committee on guns. So our problem here is not gun safety, because we've got some of the best laws in the state, uh, in the United States, for gun access, right? We do the checks. We we now have a bill that if you have a a gun in a car, it has to be in a lockbox. We're protecting children in their houses, that uh, people who have children who have a gun in their house. We're doing those things. But the real problem is, Who's bringing the guns into our community and how are they getting them to our children? And why do our children think they need to settle a beef with a gun instead of their fists? And so the problem for for our urban centers is not the gun safety. Our problem is access to guns and trafficking into the cities. So I just put together uh, with the support of Governor Lamont and a half a million dollar grant, a youth violence prevention gun task force in Bridgeport, working with Commissioner Rovella, uh, Brian Foley, community leaders, actually uh, uh, Manny uh, Cotto is a police officer in Bridgeport who was working on the task force, Moms Against Gun Violence, uh, Yana, You Are Not Alone, and organizations to work together to figure out where these children are getting these guns from, What trauma is in their households? Do they have the guns in their houses? Do the mothers know that there's guns in the houses? I talked to a woman who told me she did not allow anyone to come in her house with a backpack because she was worried that they were bringing something into her house and putting her house in jeopardy, and she was on Section 8. So it is about trafficking of guns. It is about the trauma that children are facing. It is about kids having access to these guns. And then if a, if a child is arrested, a, a teenager is arrested and has a gun, what do what are we doing to find out where did that gun from came from? How do we trace where it came from? Instead of talking about um, incarcerating the child and punishing him, what is going on in that child's life? that he has a gun, and how did he get it? Uh, recently, the Lamont administration allocated money uh, to Bridgeport, New Haven, and other cities to deal with gun violence. Is that enough? How's that money being used, uh, Senator Moore? So uh, I don't know how much money he, they're bringing into Bridgeport right now, but I know that they're assigning two state troopers uh, to be with a policeman uh, and to support them. Now, this is not the first time we've done this. Uh, I understand about four four or five years ago, they did a SOS, a Save Our Streets, and they had state troopers in the city. You know, just the presence of a police officer makes people feel safer. You know, just seeing one come through your street or knowing that they're available 
uh, that they're they're walking the streets. All those things work. And I think the money that Governor Lamont has dedicated has to do with the state police. But I'm working directly with uh, Commissioner Rovello, who's the head of public safety, and he's providing those state troopers for Bridgeport. And that was part of our early conversation. What can I do to begin to help Bridgeport and some of the urban centers that are suffering from this gun violence? Uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, working uh, with uh, the state um, and obviously the, the police department's getting more resources. But what about level of trust between uh, the residents of the city of Bridgeport and the police department? Uh, you know, a tragedy just a couple of years ago uh, with a young man that was shot. Um, they want they still are looking for justice in that case. And I'm wondering, you know, how do you how would you help uh, deal with that level of distrust uh, in the city streets between? between residents and the police? I've got my own issues. Uh, so when the people were, young people were uh, demonstrating for Jason for the one-year anniversary, and they marched down to uh, the, the scene of where the crime took place, uh, some of them got arrested. And so I had been in the, the legislature, and I got home about 10.30, quarter to 11, when I got a phone call saying during the demonstrations, uh, some people had got arrested. And I was, I did not want to go. I did not want to get involved with it because I don't want to inflict my position on people on a local. So I, I went home. Somebody called me again. I had to go down. I had to go see what was going on. They said they needed me. I went to the police department uh, to ask if I could find out what was going on so I could help keep this not turn into anything worse than what it is. I got no response from any of the policemen that were there. They guarded the door and told me to come back 7 o'clock um, the next day. I couldn't get any help. I called the mayor. I called the police chief. No one responded to me. So I'm a state legislator. I'm a state senator, considered high profile, and I can't get a response? You've got to build trust with more than just the community. You've got to build trust among all your legislators to know that you're there for everyone. And this is what I talk about when I say it has to be good government for everyone. I should have access. The community should have access. We need to, to build a relationship with the police department. I do not believe that policemen come to work intentionally to do harm. I don't think they would put their lives at risk for others. But we've got to do a better job of communicating. And that happens when you have police in different parts of the city where there's high crime being available when nothing's going on instead of just coming in when something's going on. And I watch how, how 14 cars can swoop down on one incident just to find out it was something very minor, you know, but you can't swoop down on anything when somebody calls and there's a problem. It takes, there's a delay to get people to come out. If your car broke into, if somebody broke into your house, nobody comes for you anymore. You got to go down to the police department and file a report. That's the, the, that's the level of communication that's missing uh, with people. And that's the level of mistrust. Like, who are you there for? And when are you going to be there for me? So I think there's a lot of work to do. I think that we need to have more co community conversations with the police. I think we need boots on the ground. I think, you know, we bring out this big uh, van from the police department, everything, every election period, and we park it in these certain areas, but then it goes away. Well, where is it parked the rest of the time? And why is it not available in all the communities all the time? So you're talking about more community policing, uh, where cops are walking the beat and having a relationship with the people in the city versus just swooping in, as you mentioned? That's right.
Uh, Senator Moore, we just have a couple of minutes. Uh, you know, if you don't prevail uh, on primary day, September 10th, are you going to petition your way on to the general election ballot? I'm endorsed by the Working Families Party. I have every intention of being on the ballot in November. But I do want to say this, as I said many times, I my intention is to win the primary. Mm-hmm. I have the support of the people. Uh, I've had more support this time in Bridgeport from people that I did not know who have been disenfranchised by this administration, who have received uh, nothing in the way of what was promised to them in the way of jobs or development. And people are tired, and it's time for a change. I think we have this moment in time right now where we have a wonderful opportunity to break these chains that have kept us in bondage and move in a direction of moving Bridgeport forward in a transparent, honest, and uh collective way where everybody can be involved in uh, making Bridgeport all that it can be. And if we don't get it done right now, I wonder when will we get it done. Uh, State Senator Marilyn Moore again joining us today from the studios of WSHU in Fairfield, Connecticut. She's running in the Democratic mayoral primary for uh, Bridgeport mayor, running against incumbent Joe Gannam. She collected enough signatures to be on that ballot. That's September 10th. Uh, Senator Moore, thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Lucy, I do want to say that you did prompt this conversation several years ago. That's right. I did ask you if you were going to run at the Beehive uh, in Bridgeport. So, uh, <laughs> And I said, why not? <laughs> well, we appreciate your time today. And we did reach out to uh, Mayor Joe Gannon. We're still waiting to see if he'll uh, join us on Where We Live before the primary. Senator Moore, thanks again. Thank you. This is Where We Live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Now, coming up, we're going to get some analysis of the Bridgeport race from Brian Lockhart. He's a reporter for the Connecticut Post. And you can join us, too, 860-275-7266, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is where we live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. We just heard from State Senator Marilyn Moore, who's running in Bridgeport's mayoral race against incumbent Mayor Joe Gannam, that primary September 10th. We wanted to get uh, some uh, analysis on this race, also the issues that Bridgeport faces. So Brian Lockhart's joining us via Skype today. He covers Bridgeport for the Connecticut Post. Brian, welcome back to the show. Hi, Lucy. Thanks for having me back. So respond to what you heard from Senator Moore. Uh, Are you surprised with some of the talking points, or is this what you've been hearing on the campaign trail? It's what we've been hearing from her. And frankly, I think she needs to get a little more detailed um, with what she would like to do. Um, You know, she's offering herself. She has developed over the years as a senator this image as an independent Democrat. And that's kind of how she's offering herself to voters. And she's basically saying, look, we have these entrenched political interests here in Bridgeport. Um, her fellow, you know, her fellow Democrats who are controlling things, Mayor Gannam, um, town committee chairman Mario Testa, who's been in power a long time. And she's basically saying, if you elect me, it's going to be a clean sweep. You know, I'm, I'm independent. I don't owe anybody anything. I haven't made promises to anybody. And that will sound very appealing to several voters who do believe that who are tired of the democratic machine quote unquote um you know joe gannam was this is his second go around as mayor he's a he's a familiar face he's a veteran of politics in the city um but at the same time she's not offering a lot of a lot of specifics i know when you asked her about economic development um one of the first 
things that she mentioned was a, a food hub, mm-hmm. which I'm not, I'm not quite sure what she means by that. Um, to be, you know, she did point out that several of the big projects that Mayor Ganim has proposed over the last few years don't seem to be going anywhere. Some renovated downtown theaters, a new downtown hotel, some downtown ice rinks. He's been pushing for a casino. Um, but at the same time, I do think she needs to offer more. Um, when she's talking about the police department and public safety issues, there are some major issues with the police department that we have been writing about. There are um, cops getting in trouble, cops under investigation, big questions about the management skills of the police chief, who is a very good friend of Mayor Ganim's, um, Chief Armando Perez, big questions about community relations, um, questions about funding overtime, huge, huge, huge challenges. And, you know, she talks more about community policing. That's something that everybody talks about. Everybody wants to see more cops on the streets. But the question is, how do you afford it? And then also, how do you deal with some of the some of the seemingly deep rooted issues in the Bridgeport Police Department um, Mm -hmm. that that are just you can't just you can't just come in and expect that because you're a new face in City Hall, suddenly the police department is going to change. There's a lot of problems there. Mm -hmm. Same thing with education. Um, underfunding of education, issues on the school board. One of the knocks against Mayor Ganim is that he has not been engaged with the schools. And I did hear I did hear Senator Moore indicate that she would like to be more involved with the board's decisions. Um, but again, that's easier said than done because the board often says, look, we're independently elected. Mayor, city council, stay out of our business. Give us the money we need and let us spend it how we want to spend it. Uh, you mentioned that, you know, she really this message of her being the outsider of promising uh, changing the way uh, Bridgeport's been run for so many years would be swept away if she's elected. So, you know, what voter where does that who appeals? Uh, what message does that appeal to? What particular voter? Is it the unaffiliated uh, that are you know pushing her to run? There's I think it's a mix of unaffiliated and um, and Democrats. I mean, there are certainly there are certainly Democrats in Bridgeport who are not part of the Democratic Town Committee infrastructure, not part of the you know not part of Team Ganim, not part of Team Testa. Um, and this has been her base, frankly, as a um, for her state Senate runs. Um, the working families folks, for example, a few years ago, you know the um, the Democrats greatly outnumber Republicans. In Bridgeport right now, there are um, forty-six thousand five hundred registered Democrats versus four thousand three hundred Republicans. Um, so a few years ago, when the Working Families Party was electing members to the school board, for example, um, the town committee chairman Mario Testa stated publicly he was more concerned about the Working Families Party than he was about the GOP. Um, so those folks are certainly pushing her into this race. Um, her challenge, though, is the fact that she has been very successful running as an independent Democrat in Senate races, but only representing a section of Bridgeport. And the neighborhoods she represents, um, the North End, the Black Rock, the Brooklawn area, they. Brian, are you there? Oh, it looks like uh, Brian Lockhart is joining us via Skype. I think his connection may have uh have popped uh, off. Uh, again, Brian. Can you hear me? Oh, Brian, can I can hear, hear you. Yes, go ahead. You were saying that the North End, uh, Black Rock, Brooklawn. Brooklawn, these are folks that um, Senator Moore has been able to rely upon. And these are the neighborhoods that typically 
tend to be a bit suspicious, tend to be um, a bit opposed to Mayor Joe Gannum. What she needs to do, however, is make inroads into other neighborhoods that that do not know her because she hasn't represented them Mm -hmm. in the Senate. And these neighborhoods, the East End, um, the East Side, these are the neighborhoods that turned out and turned out strong for Joe Gannum four years ago. Mm -hmm. She needs to make a compelling argument to these folks to give her a chance. Um, They know Joe Gannum. She needs to introduce herself to them and convince them um, to support her. Were you surprised that she did not bring up this FBI investigation of City Hall much sooner? I was thinking back to another mayoral race that we've covered here on Where We Live, and that's the city of New Haven. And you have, uh, you know, the challenger to the incumbent there really hounding uh, and making a point to say the FBI is investigating a department uh, of or the U.S. Attorney's Office is looking into uh, a department within the city of New Haven. We didn't hear that from uh, Marilyn Moore about this public uh, public facilities issue. Right. I think I think one reason for that is it has been there's been a little while since there's been any new news on that. Um, the FBI topic was particularly hot, I would say, in the late winter, maybe in the early spring. Um, they are still around. Mm-hmm. They're still asking questions. Uh, they're focused on scrap metal. They were focused on contracts um, out of the public facilities department. However, um, they just there have not been any arrests. There have there has not been any real activity, real public activity, the way there was um, over the winter and in the early spring. And so I think I don't I wouldn't necessarily say that Mayor Ganim and his folks are breathing easy about that. But I think right now it's still hovering there. But there's just been several weeks have gone by. And so I don't necessarily think it's on the front of voters' minds at this point. It's certainly something that she could raise, she could legitimately raise to make her case. Um, But I just don't think that it's something that is going to, it's not going to win her the mayor's office. She really needs to make a better case as to how she will manage the city and how she will solve a lot of Bridgeport's problems. It seems like she does face an uphill uh, battle, so to speak, uh, to win in the primary. Uh, election integrity has been an issue in the city of Bridgeport. Uh, we didn't get a chance to bring up the the concern about how absentee ballots are used. And also, it, there was even a, a problem where her campaign uh, may have even sued the Democratic registrar to, tra- to even get on the primary ballot. Can you talk a little bit about those concerns, Brian? Sure. Um, she had to petition her way onto the the September 10th primary ballot, and she needed to collect around 2,500 signatures. And her campaign raised some concerns because what they were doing is they were going out and they were registering voters as they collected the petitions. So you knock on someone's door, hi, I'm here, you know, would you sign this petition for Marilyn Moore? She's trying to oppose Mayor Joe Ganim in the primary. Oh, I'm not a registered voter. Okay, well, here, You can register, sign up to register right now, and then please sign this petition. And her campaign had alleged that they understood that the registrar's office would not accept the petition signatures of new voters. And um, in fact, there does seem to be some confusion with the state law. I spoke to um, the head of a statewide registrar's group. And to be fair to Bridgeport's registrars, they admitted, yes, there is some confusion in terms of the language in state law and whether registrars of voters are supposed to accept petition signatures from newly registered voters. Um, But 
Moore's campaign reached out to Secretary of the State Merrill's office. Secretary of the State Merrill's office issued a directive to Bridgeport telling the registrars, register the new voters and then accept their signatures. So do not toss out signatures just because that individual is a new, newly registered voter. Um, there's, a, there's always, in these races, particularly hotly contested ones, there is always suspicion of the Bridgeport registrars. Um, they have had a history of landing themselves in the middle of um, election scandals. And they continue to be run by the same people um, who are voted in and again and again and again, mainly because no one else wants to do the job. So there's rarely a challenger um, mm-hmm. to, to try and challenge um, the registrars themselves, particularly on the Democrat side. Uh, Brian, and, Brian, we just so have a couple. Uh, we just have a couple of minutes. I, we we want to make sure we mention there are some Republicans running in the, the primary yeah. for mayor, even though it is a heavily Democratic city. Can you just remind us who those candidates are? Sure. Um, there's three running in the primary, John Rodriguez, Ethan Book, and Deshaun Francis. Um, as I mentioned before, the GOP is greatly outnumbered. Um, and so these you were talking about Senator Moore having an uphill battle. A Republican in Bridgeport <laughs> has a seemingly insurmountable fight um, to, try and, to try and become mayor of the city. So, and you see a lot of the same people running again and running again. John Rodriguez and Ethan Book in particular. John Rodriguez is the nominee. Um, He and Ethan Book have both run in the past unsuccessfully for city council and also for state legislature. Um, Deshaun Francis is a new face. He's 23. Um, He has not been involved in Bridgeport politics, and he's pretty new to Bridgeport. He attended, um, I believe he attended Housatonic Community College Um, But he is from the Bronx, and then his family moved to Stratford. And so he only recently um, moved to Bridgeport to run for mayor. Uh, So their chances chances are are tough. They are competing with each other for the the nomination. And whoever gets it, though, is really going to have a hard time, um, a seemingly insurmountable Mm -hmm. obstacle trying to run against whoever the um, Democratic nominee is. Well, Brian Lockhart, again, covers Bridgeport for the Connecticut Post. We'll tweet out some links to his uh, story as well as uh, his team there. You're joining us today via Skype. Brian, thanks so much. Thank you, Lucy. Today's show produced by Lydia Brown. Uh, thanks to our technical producer, Kion Wolf. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Have a great weekend.